Welcome to Mind to Make episode 8. You've got Jeremy Glenn with you as always. Uh, I want to firstly thank everybody who's been tuning in so far. Um, it's it's kind of hard to get an idea of how many people are listening to each episode, uh, but the subscriber numbers would indicate that things are increasing with each show, which is great. So if you are a subscriber or a listener and you've been getting some benefit out of the show, I would love it if you could share it with your friends, either on social media or word of mouth. Uh, or if you really want to help the show out, uh, you can become a patron uh, via our Patreon page. Um, and there's a link to that on the Mind to Make website. Um, and the purpose of that really is with that amount of money that can be dedicated to producing the show, I can be implementing new technologies, we can implement video, I'd like to get some workshops involved um, in, in future, and really it allows me to develop content that would be exclusive for people who are supporting the show in that way. Um, and so those subscriptions and donations would go towards giving you the opportunity to select guests that I might be speaking to and ask them questions of your own that you want to know about um, and, you know, give you content that otherwise other people wouldn't have access to. So if you're into that, go check out the, the webpage www.mindtomake.com um, or check it out on the Facebook page and I'll put up a link there as well. So let's talk about this week's guests. Uh, this week's guest is the unapologetically creative powerhouse Ali X. And most of you probably know Ali as the founding member of Toronto-based techno house supergroup Azarian Third. Um, that group has since disbanded, but Ali's still going strong in the techno world. Um, he's moved to Mexico City and he's teamed up with co-conspirator Zemena. And they've had a slew of releases and remixes on various labels, including uh, Azari's former label Turbo Recordings out of Montreal. And they've recently started up a new collective label called Controla, um, which Ali talks about in the interview. We get into the nitty gritty of Ali's formative uh, creative pursuits, including video terrorism and his experiences with drug addiction and how he uses that relationship now to kind of rekindle his relationship with making art. Ali talks about the music scene in Mexico City, the crazy chaotic atmosphere there and how that, that chaos actually translates into a feeling of freedom that feeds his creativity. Uh, we discuss the nature of isolation in the creative process and what that allows for and what it can take away from you. Um, we do get a little technical at points. So for anybody who's not into music production, you may zone out for a bit or you get a really good education in uh, gear and uh, Ali's technical process. Um, Ali talks about the emotional impetus required for him to get into the creative headspace. We talk about record labels, PR, uh, having somebody in your corner. And finally, we talk about the dance music culture now versus when Ali and even myself were sort of coming up in that culture and what's changed about it now and, and sort of our collective primal memories of these transcendental parties and why that spirit doesn't seem to exist anymore. Um, so we get fully jaded uh, and we probably sound like a couple of old dudes, but I think there's still some wisdom in there. The last thing I'll say about this interview is that I apologize for the audio quality on Ali's end. Um, had to go through some internet voice over IP stuff. So you'll hear towards the end of the interview, things start to get a little bit glitchy uh, and I kind of cut it off a bit short. So apologies for that. 
uh, but I think we still tackle a lot of great material. Um, so, without further ado, I bring you Ali X on Mind to Make. I'd like to officially welcome Ali X to the Mind to Make podcast. Um, Ali, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I wanted to start off by sort of finding out, you know, have you always been like a creative person, like ever, you know, since you were young, was it something you were always interested in? Like, how did you get started and, and interested in, in creative pursuits? Uh, the creative procedure, probably getting in a lot of trouble and finding creative ways to get in more trouble. <laughs> they, they, they always said, well, you're such a creative type and such a, a leader type. Why do you lead people into so much trouble all the time? <laughs> right. I was always looking for creative ways to uh, to, to tag my impressors. You know? But I spent I spent my whole uh, up until high school in a Catholic school system, which was also kind of berserk at the time in in Hamilton, Hamilton, Ontario. You know, a pretty rough school. It was like uh, kindergarten to grade eight, all under you know, all doing recess at the same time. Mm-hmm. But the first like artistically creative stuff I did was uh, my grandfather was the first guy, I remember when I was really young, to get uh, a VCR. He was the first guy to have a VCR and the first guy to have a, a, a VHS camera. And I used to, I didn't do any editing or anything at first, but I used to shoot kind of like recreate, enjoy the silence video by Depeche Mode or make my own little horror videos nice. of me like stabbing my grandmother and stuff. And I tried to sync <laughs> it up to like some Metallica music and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Scared the shit out of my younger cousin once. <laughs> she... <laughs> I played this video that I had made with a Metallica music cue that just timed up perfectly with this like guy in a, in a hockey mask with a knife in enters the frame. <laughs> and, and, but the mother of my cousin was like, don't be afraid. It's just drummer boy, drummer boy music. It's okay. <laughs> and my poor little cousin didn't know why, but for years, anytime I said drummer boy, she like burst into tears. So like, that's, I realized, oh, wow, I can like create something inside a response. <laughs> yeah. You had a lot of power. I I'm, not, I'm never comfortable with having any power over people because like, I tend to want to manipulate things to my agenda. <laughs> so I try to have a brutal honesty. Yeah, I'm like, listen, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. So just like, watch out, okay? We're going to enter any kind of relationship. Yeah, you need like some form of like non-disclosure or, or whatever, you know, whatever you work in the same way, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is all consensual, right? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> right? We're good, everybody's consensual, good. So I cannot... <laughs> no, I don't care about the non-disclosure. You go warn people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have, should have a disclosure agreement. Like, you have to tell people how insane <laughs> how, this process yeah, is yeah, going to be. Definitely. I mean, I joke, but this has gotten me in a lot of a lot of trouble and and, and personal anguish. But yeah, mm. <laughs> that kind of I'm, I'm I'm heading towards like uh, wiser years in my life. I guess I hope. <laughs> so I've tried to rein in that kind of like destructive potential as much as I can, but it still pops up now and then. You know? Yeah. But I'm creatively looking for ways to like. Um, take whatever little power I have over my existence and myself and, and put it towards uh, self-betterment rather than try to manipulate other people's existence. You know? Yeah. You can manipulate everything into a house of cards, but good luck keeping it there. Yeah, no kidding. I feel sort of somewhat, somewhat similar in the respect that I've been like personally trying to go through like a sobriety. Oh, yeah, me too. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, it's something we can talk more about. I, I was going to say like, you know, I think there are so many people, like so many creative people who will go to drugs as an initial way to kind of look for a new, you know, like new ground to try and cover like, oh, maybe this will give me like some, some kind of something special. 
and uh for myself included you know it's always like for me it started with uh with weed and it was like okay this is like my perfect way to start to get into whatever i'm doing well i am um, smoking weed right now right <laughs> well there are varying degrees weed is something of... that is the lesser of many evils yeah yeah exactly i never liked alcohol you know i i, I spent last year kind of like half drunk after some emotional turmoil but like you know the drugs like since i was a young kid i even remember i remember quite clearly like six years old and my parents had to go to the opera and my babysitter who lives around the corner the poor girl was like a couple of minutes late so they left with her uh, like 30 seconds away from the house <laughs> the second my parents out the door i like locked the house up poor babysitter cried herself to sleep on the front step uh, the first thing I did is I went up and like put a chair, got up on it, went into the medicine cabinet, took all the medicines, dumped them into a glass, like mixed everything together, all the cough syrups, the old school ones, the codeine, yeah. some like opiate suppositories, and just gulped it all back. My parents came home and found the babysitter passed out on the thing, like freaking out. Searched the whole house for me, can't find me. Eventually, they find me under my crib, like being narcotized. Oh man! So yeah, me and drugs go way back. Yeah. And I mean, what do you, what do you feel about it? Like, how do you, how do you treat that relationship now between the whole creative process or even just kind of like, you know, just day to day? Like, how do you, how do you think about drugs? Well, they're similar actually. Yeah. On the day to day basis and in the creative process, I, I tend to need some kind of stimulus to put me out of my morning grumpy mood and into like, I'm going to do something interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. But these days it doesn't have to be necessarily a psychoactive stimuli, you know? I don't want to rely on, on having to, to put anything in myself to get any work done. <laughs> yeah. But the marijuana thing is like, yeah, I kind of smoke a lot of marijuana. I don't know. It, it works well for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all the shitload of stuff that I've been through, you know, I was like a major addict for five years on heroin, like many things in my past that I would never want to return to that. Not that mm-hmm. I'd ever be afraid of it, but I'm just sick of it, actually, you know? Yeah. Luckily that I was able to pull myself out of all these different kinds of messes that was more escapism than creative uh, impetus, you know, mm-hmm. because of whatever emotional stuff I couldn't handle at the time I was trying to compartmentalize the drugs were a good way to do that, especially the harder, darker ones that completely numb you up. Right. And then I wasn't doing anything creative at all. And it was just like, all I wanted was to just be in that zone. And I somehow pulled my shit out of that. Yeah. And that only happened like later and after many ups and downs, like really big successes and big crashes. And then, that's when the, I get kind of tired of life. Like, oh, I've achieved so much. It's like, I need a break, you know? But the break became like a a super hindrance, a super crutch. Yeah. That I, I, I would, even with my friends and stuff, I could never really re-enter that zone. So I don't like to see myself there or people I know. I tend not to like to party just for the sake of it. I always had this rule, like never like party too much. Only party when you have something to celebrate, when you have an accomplishment that's worth celebrating, you know? Mm-hmm. party you know, and get back to work mm-hmm. and when that kind of dynamic changed for me and i wasn't celebrating anymore just kind of you know consuming constantly that it stopped working yeah and i had to change my outlook you know, yeah. my way of operating yeah which worked out quite well for me because once i did that i, I became super re-inspired i did look back at like it, the last chunk of music i had made in a super haze and like wow this stuff is amazing in its own chaotic crazy way Mm-hmm. but that's like a one-time kind of project. Like I wouldn't, I couldn't keep doing it like that. You know, it was lucky yeah, it's not to, sustainable to kind of, it's absolutely not sustainable, but I could make, I made it through that with something to work with after the clean up in, in a sober state. And from there, just 
kind of was re-inspired and, and kept going again. But I took a big chunk of time off like the past few years to figure all this out. Also, my move to Mexico was 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 kind of like a, a cursing and a bless for that because I, I really liked it here when I came here a few years, a couple of years ago to play a show. I stuck around and like changed the drugs I was doing, but it's like kind of like went went back a few steps and was like doing ketamine and shit with these kids in Mexico. They're party all the time. And I was just like, oh man, these kids are gonna kill me. Also, my friends are like all twenty years old, you know. Right. <laughs> Some of them are teenagers. And I was like, well, they can handle it. I'm not gonna judge them, but I cannot keep up with these kids, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so you moved to Mexico City. Um, just you, you just liked it when you went there. Um, was there something about it in particular that sort of drew you there in the first place? Actually, I've waited Mexico for a long time. I never wanted to come here on vacation or any of those kind of things. Or like a BPM festival. I had no interest in coming to Mexico at all, really. Hmm. I, I mean, I'd lived in Hamilton. I moved to Toronto way back at the turn of the millennium. And some point around 2014, when I was already finished up, my band is already there. Mm-hmm. I moved my whole studio. I had this big studio in Toronto. I moved up to London. I was there for half a year. And I was in Milan for a year. And then another half a year around Amsterdam and London. And eventually I got in some trouble with the border force in the UK. And then they noticed I was kind of using the six months there, six months in Europe, and going back and forth for a couple of years. Right. So I had to take a break from that. And, uh, Ended up back in Toronto, and I was like, didn't want to be there. I just had like a broken up with a girl after ten years. My mom died. My band broke up. I just didn't want to be in that kind of zone anymore. So I was enjoying Europe, but I had to leave. Like, what do I do? What do I do? So I went on a tour of South America, which I had never done by myself before, like Brazil, Colombia, and I ended up in Mexico. I was like, met a really cool person here, who later would uh, would play into things a lot more. But time, I was like, you know, let me just stay here, hang out, see how it goes. Next thing I was a year later. Now it's been almost two and a half years. And what kept me here was I felt it's like a really energetic and young kind of artistic movement going on, especially in the music, especially in electronic music mm-hmm. and a lot of different things. But it was, it was quite a fresh kind of younger, enthusiastic scene going on in Mexico City that has spread out of the city. Actually, just in my time here, the shit has spread like crazy out into all the rest of the country in the far reaches. And yeah, it's just a what a good scene and people connecting and kind of the whole country itself which is you know it's fucked up in a lot of ways in mexico and a lot of problems like last year had the highest murder rate ever on record in the country like twenty-seven thousand, and most of them are in mexico city with a lot of gangs that have fallen apart because the leadership has been taken out i've started to compete over mexico city territory which is like a first historically so it became really violent there's gunfights with boozies right outside my apartment window and stuff crazy that's actually with that and the earthquake and all this stuff is solidified my choice to live an hour outside the city right. flat slab of rock that just kind of moves cohesively when the earthquake comes <laughs> right. and also yeah there's not so many sicarios running around trying to shoot each other up yeah you know parties i would go to guns are coming out and stuff but that also attracts me to this chaos i've been in police chases here and like just park my car in my driveway and tell them to fuck off get this private property like can't do that elsewhere yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah my understanding is uh police are not not necessarily very helpful most of the time and you usually have to pay them off. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not experienced it. So I don't want to, you know, yeah, I mean, it's all increased the gears. Yeah. You basically pay the police off for everything. Right. I'm, I'm sure there's a price for everything. If they catch you red handed, like, um, blowing some of the brains out, you get away for probably like a couple grand American. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty corrupt, but I haven't, I haven't run up against corruption. It's, that's like been a detriment. It's only been a good thing for me so far. Hmm. And I've, you know, Canada's cool. 
great, Europe's great, but those cops, man, once you're in your system and once you got you, you never get out of that. Like I like my freedom. Uh, they just serve my individuality, my own, uh, you know, my own moral code. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need the police to do it for me. Yeah. So I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm here, I suppose, as well. Yeah. Is this something that you feel like allows you to be like just feeling that innate sense of freedom that you can kind of just do what you want? Does it allow you to kind of um, like feel more creative when you want to do? I mean, I know it's not really one thing may not necessarily relate to the other. Yeah. but It's like give the kids something that they, you know, the kids, I don't know, maybe want so much candy, give it to them. They slow down. It's like once I have the freedom, then I, I don't feel so, I don't feel the need that I've always kind of felt has gotten in trouble is to refuse that authority just on principle. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even though what they're making me do is probably for my own good. I don't want to be made to do something. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a juvenile, uh, like knee-jerk reaction. But yeah, I would say that's a big part of it. And creatively, must help. Yeah, must help. Although I've always lived kind of outside the law. Like I got in a lot of trouble in my earlier years, but Luckily, my adult record is, is non-existent. I don't have any criminal record, and I've managed to skirt trouble. You know, I got in so much trouble and, and, and should be probably behind bars for what I've done, even to this day. Never had too much trouble, even in authoritarian societies like uh, Canada and the States and stuff. Yeah, well, that's good. That means we can benefit from your uh, luck. <laughs> we, can, we can all benefit from any of your work based on the luck that you've achieved. <laughs> You managed to skirt the law. Well, I'm glad that time. you say that because there's certain people that would benefit that if I was behind the Yeah, sure. right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you could ask some people out of my class how lucky they were to have known me. Based on you traveling a lot, have you found like uh, have you found the environment to be conducive to being more creative, or have you found it to be like have you like Mexico City in particular? Maybe it's just that freedom, but have you found like for instance when you were in London or Milan, was it did it make a big difference to what kind of thing you were making? Not really what kind of thing, but I was a real like homebody for a long time that that spent so much time behind closed doors and in my in, in clandestino kind of environments. Got sick of being in one place for so long. You know, it was really comfortable. I loved it. I built my own little kind of insular world, and I was insulated from from most things that I didn't want to have anything to do with. You know, yeah, it was like living outside the law, living outside social norms, like some Caligula shit, <laughs> right. which is great. But when that all fell apart, I definitely decided, like consciously, that would be way more inspiring for me to get out of that. I didn't want to be inspired by like, uh, well. I was getting a little too like a negative outlook on life, I suppose, being stuck in one place. And after touring for so long with the band, I was like used to moving around. It was depressing not to anymore. Right. So even though I didn't really plan on like changing where I was based, I just wanted to keep moving. But that turned into just not having a home for what I'm moving, moving, moving. And that was really inspiring. Mm-hmm. And then being in new cultures and trying to learn new languages, I'm like, I loved England because I love English. It's like my favorite language. And I'm still learning how to master English. 
and they are so good at it. It was like, I loved it. Yeah. I loved Italy because it was, I had to, it's my, my family is all, mostly all Italian. So well, the food and the, and the kind of like attitude of people in general, like I really gelled with. Yeah. And Mexico, Mexico's great because you can travel a lot around this country and there's a lot of different cities. You got mountains and valleys and beaches and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's a little something going on everywhere. Now, actually, you think about a place like Canada, I mean, you can play, if you're, if you're a DJ type, you can go to Montreal, you can go to Toronto, you might go to Vancouver once every five years or something. But here there's like 50 cities that are all happening. It's just constantly going to cycle around this country alone, yeah. which is basically what I've been doing and building my latest kind of craft up around just touring Mexico yeah, mostly. And from there, maybe elsewhere. But yeah, it's really it's really a place for for an artist and a musician to to get around. Yeah, mm-hmm. sort of sounds like you know reminds me a bit of like uh, artists that tour through the states, just because towns are so much closer. Like one of the big gripes people have about Canada yeah. is that like it just takes so long to get to all the major cities. You know, so much distance between everything. Most definitely. Like Europe, too, you know, Europe is so small. Europe mm-hmm. is like the States, kind of, where you just bounce around countries, like it's nothing on a train or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I've, uh, I'm taking, I lived in Europe for a while, then I, I made the rounds with most of those countries, and before with Azari and then myself, a bunch of moving around and touring. Mm-hmm. And and then it kind of just slowed down a bit for me, and I've, like, been everywhere a bunch of times and wasn't making any new product, really, or much new product. So before things ground to a halt, like, I kept moving <laughs> Luckily, things here have only been expanding. Yeah. I started from nothing here, like no connections, no friends, and just and and also luckily I bought myself some time that I could take a break for a bit of reassess things and see where I wanted to go artistically. You know? Yeah, I often find it interesting the idea of you know you spend a lot of time honing your craft and like you said you can become really really insular and really like solipsistic and you spend a lot of time you know like really intellectualizing like what it is that you're doing and trying to pour your your all of your brain power into this thing that you're working on but how how beneficial have you found interacting with everybody there and like you know you said you said it was you know pretty inspiring uh, given what's happening there um with music is it something that you yeah but not now, with their music not, not with, with the their music, music that they make though okay. <laughs> that's bad. i'm okay. trying to teach them how to be funky because ain't no black african people in the area so they're all like dancing like the medicine dance around a fucking sweat lodge with the shamanistic Mexican crap. So, <laughs> you know, the the vibe, yes. The actual product, no, I don't give a shit. And I never cared anyways, you know. It's like, no matter where I went, I was never happy with what other people are doing. Right. So, I don't know. Someone else could tell me, oh, well, it sounds like you've been in Mexico because of the shit you're making out. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> yeah, you need the outsider perspective to so give you that. that yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as far as pe- just having a community of exactly, then even that, I, at first it was great, but now I don't care anymore. I'm back to my own little fucking place in in, in the world, which is a, outside of society. Yeah. And the only time people see me these days, even my friends, is if I'm performing. You know, I have to sing, like oh, I just stay at home and cook. I live outside the city in a nice place under the mountains. I can go hiking and shit, yeah. and all this old man stuff. You know. Yeah. But honestly, it's funny because I like I find the same thing. It was you know you're so into it when you get it when you start you you get so into it and then you're into the culture and then your whole, your whole lifestyle changes. Right. And then if you find a place you, you change, you move to an environment all of a sudden, like, you know, my old place, I didn't have any sun, virtually no sun coming in. Now I've got some sunlight coming in. It makes such a huge difference to my mood. It makes me want to be more, you know, you know, and, uh, as much as you, you say, know, the like, thing about sunlight though, I'll tell you, I love sunlight. 
but I hate it in my studio because then I just see all this dust all over my shit. <laughs> so the, the sun beams catch the dust. So like, yeah, I yeah. do get like inspired, but when the sun comes out, I'm inspired to like, yeah, get out, sun, get healthy, listen to some music, yeah, drive around, smoke joints, and just like people watch. Really nocturnal, creative person. I've always been hard, not like a, a very light sleeper or a non-sleeper. Yeah. And nighttime is definitely like, yeah, that's always, almost always when my output happens. Yeah. But I used to, I used to like sleep through the day because I was I'm like, fuck the daytime, you know, I was like, I'll just like rest all day, I'll be up all night. Yeah. But now I'm trying to like have slightly, slightly more vitamin D. You know? Yeah, a little bit more. And yeah. it's, you know, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you need, they say when you, the older you get, the less sleep you need, you know, it's like, you're like a grandpa that sleeps like two hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you can you talk a bit about like how your process is like you know, do you have like um not templates so to speak but do you have like a system that you try to follow or do you generally come in like blank session like um, um this is what i'm doing i mean today? you know sometimes like you know you, you listen on ideas with people and you come up with an idea and you're like okay let's go do it you know it might be something specific mm -hmm. but that's generally not the case that happens once in a while for me but usually it's like i just feel the need that you know you gotta keep creating and keep producing you know yeah and then the kind of system i use let me think just for a second. And I'm sure I have a template, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what it is. But <laughs> I mean, technically, I could tell you. Yeah. Do you have a piece of, like, equipment that you start to, you start with or something like that? Or you tend to start okay. with a... That, that's easy to answer. I was trying to think of, like, my more like my procedure and how that goes. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm sure I can make sense of it. If something else cloudy. But technically, it's, it's easier to explain because I've always been... Since as a kid, I was lucky to have an uncle that was in some rock and roll shit that he did, but he had leftover drum machines and some stuff that he, he let me play with at a very young age. Right. And I've always liked that kind of hands-on thing. Back in the 90s, my friends, when we first were getting into rave stuff and techno, which that like when we got into that culture, I don't like the culture of dance music anymore. I'm yeah. not really into that. Like people listen to dance music all the time. Like kids that are under 20 haven't even heard like a guitar in their life or whatever. It's like they listen to the weirdest shit rap they never heard. Like, stuff that actually like makes your blood fucking pump you know as far as i can tell it is like electronic music every okay whatever the world is fine but back in the day it seemed a lot more authentic also it was like the pre-millennial times when really people thought the world might just end you know and it's like a, you're willing to blast yourself like into the raving 100 percent yeah because it seemed like apocalyptic in itself like 15 year old kids whacked in their mind chewing the jaw it's like the loudest systems you've ever seen crazy lasers and i was totally into like techno like richie hot and a plastic man and like not house music or anything positive just like real negative grinding techno right right but anyways back to the procedure technically i've always loved hands-on stuff so i'm like an analog guy when it comes to recording mm. and and luckily the past lot of years i've had access to a good workspace that i call my own had a big studio in toronto so i have a studio here so what i'd like to do is have equipment that i'm used to i like to have a recording channel with I got my really nice preamp front ends and those patch bay into compressors, equalizers, auxiliary off to old effects units like lexicons and, and harmonizers. Mm -hmm. And it's it's all put through boards. So I have like, when I record one sound, I might have up to six or eight channels with all the stereo effects that I record in a pass. And those kind of chains, you know, I have a, a chain with knees and SSLs and stuff. So it's a, like a main chain. Right. And so I'm comfortable with that. I know how to tweak those EQs and, and those compressors and then those effects on on the sub channels. And I, I, I use those kind of channels all the time. And I use the same equipment almost all the time. If I'm working on something that's like a remix, 
I tend to just take all of the stuff and I, I chop, chop, chop. I put things in different time loops, try to chop it into a half bar loop. My favorite kind of funky stuff is just a half a bar. Yeah, really, like, sure. chugging. Yeah. And once I have all those little samples, I can get rid of anything that's not making sense. I get everything in a little tool of a loop and start from there, adding in my own textures from there. Mm. And I guess that would also be the case with like, if we come up with some kind of idea, I'll try to get that basic thing down, loop it up. If it's going to be dance music, it's got to be funky. So I tended to use a shorter loop, which I find funkier for me. And I don't like music so much anymore. It's like, if I want to listen to music, I'll listen to like music. Electronic stuff is more about sound and rhythm for me. You know, I want weird sounds that are atonal and, and they bend through notes like fluidly and they don't really land on anything particular. Right. And rhythms that are jilted kind of uh, like that. That's techno to me is more rhythm and sound design. And then I don't want to hear too many notes or bass lines or anything like that could be like uh, the Western 12 note scale. Right. I don't like. You're more concerned with just groove and movement and, and, motion yeah. forward motion yeah. whereas other people if i'm producing some other artist or working in a collaborative thing with people that are more musical i love it especially if they're talented singers or talented performers that's something that i could never never do as well as them and i can just sit back and concentrate on capturing them mm. then i love music yeah you know making music like that way but when i'm just left to my own and if for some reason i've ended up in the techno world for the past long time yeah which i still like it because when i hear the really chunky stuff and i think even more these days there was a time when I was younger, like everyone was doing that kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And now I find that people that aren't really musicians pick up a laptop, they start fiddling around. They, they, I don't even know if they've been in a rave in their life or these kids even dance, yet they're producing dance music. And I don't know where they get their inspiration or their ideas, but I can only imagine from other people. Yeah. Whereas my inspiration came from being so fucked up on LSD, listening to the wildest techno. I'm sure what I was hearing had nothing to do with what was actually playing, you know? Right. But that's where my ideas came from. These weird hallucinated half real sounds and, and, and rhythms in my head that I would try to go recapture later. Yeah. And I still, I don't need to, to revisit that. And that's stuck with me for so long that now it's great. It's like the secret weapon I have to dive, to, to, to dig back into that kind of inspiration and, and still produce this kind of grinding chunky stuff that, you know, some people get it. There's kids out there to get it. There's older people still around doing, doing the stuff. So it's out there, you know? Mm-hmm. And and for me, the best, like, the funkiest parties when I go out and dance, generally is kind of what if it's a really banging party is going to be that same kind of weird grinding techno. It's almost non-musical. It's like talking assembly line sounds. find like you're always trying to get back to that moment in a sense in terms of how you're producing something it's like i'm trying to be like you know make that yeah, track that would have that's right my mature my <laughs> maturity and my maturation like stopped and at that point you know it's like okay this is the pinnacle yeah you know i'm like 16 years old like best rave ever crazy yeah. crowd people are so psychedelicized they're talking in their heads uh you know yeah you don't need any yeah. any new inputs you've got everything that you you need already stored in the database I could use. I still need a muse, though. <laughs> you still need a muse. Well, talk about that a bit. I still need a muse, yeah. For, yeah. What would you like to do? Well, I mean, it's funny. Like I talk to people about it's because because I, I think you know this idea of the muse or or you know this ins, ins, 
uh, inspiratory moment that sort of manifests itself in at a particular time. Like I always think it's bullshit. Like I'm like, no, no, you just got to go in every day. Like it's your job. It doesn't have to, you don't have to feel that way, but you go in and you do the work, you know, you mess around or whatever it's got to be to, to get something to come out. But if you're just sitting around waiting, yeah, if you're just waiting for this moment to happen, check it out though. That's, that's fine to go in and do the work, but if you, I think if you're the person who's actually creating the idea from scratch by yourself, mm-hmm. then, okay, you can say, well, I don't need these. You can like uh, go look at the news of the world and, and get fired up politically or just about the state of humanity and the human condition as it stands at the moment, mm-hmm. which like that inspires me, you know, and gives me ideas, yeah. but it doesn't get me off my ass. I have to be pissed off or like regretting something or coming down from some sudden outbreak of violence or, 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 or joy or something mm-hmm. to really inspire me into like looking at things um, acutely enough to have an interesting and original idea. You know? Yeah. So maybe that's a weakness I have that like, I can't, I can't like artificially summon those kind of thoughts that lead to that kind of inspiration. Other people need to, I need to interact with other people. Not okay. just other situations, but other people specifically, and it usually singles out to like one super lucky, unlucky girl, you know, <laughs> right. that I can have a good dynamic with where things get really good and really shitty. Yeah. And that keeps me inspired, like a really wide arcing uh, pendulum of, of emotions. Right. That's how I see the muse thing works because it's like no one can, I, I've learned not to be like uh, pissed off too easily, you know, there's like that's a defense mechanism for my individuality always coming under the microscope or under criticism. Yeah. But, like groups of people don't affect me. I don't care if the whole world isn't around. cares. Like it's not going to piss me off enough, but one person can get under my skin and I can be involved with one person enough that things get intense enough to fire up that, those musings. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to experiment more with meditation as a way to kind of, I don't know, like whether it's, it's more for me, I think it's, it's sort of just like be calm, be focused and really like focus on what it is that I'm thinking about as opposed to allowing too much input to come in and, and sort of cloud my judgment, you know, I'm not sure if it's working, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, but, I, <laughs> no, but at least in my, at least in my, my mood, in my though. life in general. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It doesn't help me in the art, but in, in, in my life, I'm trying to, you know, calm it down and get a better grip on it and yeah. not be carried away in, in these currents of emotions and situations it certainly helps. But then it actually, I have to fire myself back up to get creative again. So it's like, right. Those are two opposing forces for me. Interesting. I was going to talk a bit about, ask you a bit about your starting a label, if you want to talk about it. I think it's interesting now how many independent labels are starting up, and I wonder what you think about, like what the place of a label is anymore. If you know, if everybody's developing a personal brand, and do you, you know, what do you, what's what what good is a label? What is it? What does it give you? I don't like developing my own personal brand. You know? Right. Yeah. No, neither, I'm neither not a do I. Promoter. I'm not really very That's good what, at it. Either. I'm not going to be on the fucking internet on Facebook goofing around trying to like get people to like me and my shit. Right. <laughs> Someone else's job. Yeah. My job is to make shit that's good and be who fucking be completely asocial, like completely asocial and, and, and not talk to anyone. One person could be my window to the world, which is a nice thing about being in a, in a project that gets somewhere, you finally get a manager, hopefully a decent one. And then you don't have to talk to anyone. They talk to the world for you. You can just deal with your personal shit, anything to do with your public persona or what you're putting out there. It goes through someone else, you know, yeah. so they take the heat and they also can, yeah, once you take the, <laughs> they deal with shit for you, you know, hopefully yeah. they can 
your your relationship with them doesn't deteriorate because then you have someone who is your outlet to the world that could start to tarnish you. <laughs> right, right. If you piss them off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I mean, the label, I just look at it as a place that is, has got a sound together and someone with some kind of discerning taste has put this together. Whether they're also an artist or not, it doesn't matter, I guess. But, you know, they, if they are, maybe they have a certain experience. And and after they have that, they realize, no, this is what I like, and I got to put it together, and I have means. And and my manager is telling me that that, that uh, Universal Records is going to distribute my labels, so why the hell not? You know? mm-hmm. And then you get into the smaller time shit, and I've tried doing it all myself um, back in the beginning of like the Beatport days, and all that stuff. You know, it was a lot of work. It's great. It's like lasted what lasted, and it was there as a legacy product. Mm-hmm. And the distributor, like last year, went out of business, and then all of a sudden, all the music that I released is gone. It's like right. it's taken down, you know. Right. Can't access it anymore. I think that's really cool, actually. But it would piss me off if I if I cared that it's still there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the record label they 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 consolidate all this stuff, and 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 hopefully it's a label that's got a consistency of products. And and these days, I think it's still good. Like I'm still working with labels that I've met recently, and I like the product and what they're doing, and I see that they're focused on promoting their own thing. Mm-hmm. Leaves me freed up to do what I got to do. Yeah, I kind of always thought of it like as, you know, th- this is it, hopefully if it's a if it's a good label and and they're on their shit, then they they should be able to reach an audience that maybe you're not you individually wouldn't. Well, like you said, if you want to put the time in, maybe you can do it all yourself. But otherwise, you're maybe reaching some somebody that you haven't uh, before, and that's really what they're, totally. they're doing, you know. Um, yeah. Yep. And there seems to still be like popular labels. That, that develop a following. So I don't think that's died. I mean, there's a lot of work. If I was into it, if I enjoyed being online and, and, and social networking and all this kind of stuff and like mm-hmm. optimizing search results and, you know, some people love that kind of shit. Yeah. Luckily, I have a partner that's really good at that and is into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the whole like collective label that we're doing is a lot of people's work. You know, mine is just like some mastering, you know, I'll master the releases, a little bit of spiritual guidance. Uh, Luke Skywalker vibes for them, right. um, but like as far as hands-on, I, not the, the actual running of something like that is not my business. You know? Yeah, back to the idea of um, club culture nowadays because it's something that I often like. I that rings true to me. Like the just having a phone in a club to me, sort of. I, I don't yeah, like. I don't like it. Everything. It's changed everything. <laughs> like everything. Like just the idea of going anywhere yeah. where nobody knows where you are or just few people know where you are and you're oh, all there collectively experiencing this particular moment as opposed to trying to share it with other people and yeah, that's transcendental transcendental things right there. Unfortunately it's like as much as kids still party and still maybe do the exact same drugs I used to do and listen to music, it's really similar. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find a vibe where people are really that into it and trance right into the music, you know. Yeah. And like, yeah, you have no distractions. No one knows where you are. No one's going to, and you can barely talk to each other, even at, at a party because it's so loud and dark. Yeah. That you're eight, you know, eight, 12 hours and it's like a religious experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't find that going to any parties. I haven't been to a party that felt like a religious experience. And like, unless I was DJing, you know, in my own like bubble. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the crowd, once in a blue moon, you know, it hits that kind of vibe. Yeah. But I try to, I try to get that vibe within myself anytime I perform. To, like you said, to access those primal memories, you know, mm-hmm. it's still going back to that and trying to recreate that, even though I know it's it's near impossible. Mm-hmm. So it's nice for me, even if I'm like completely sober, I can still access that state through music. Yeah. And, and other people can too. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. But it's totally changed. And I have no, 
people are like, oh, you're going to go see this DJ, you're going to see shit. I'm like, no. <laughs> but I, I still don't mind going to see it like a good band because it's hard to, you know, you go and dance, you want to party, you want to hit that transcendental vibe. If, if you listen to the techno for me, that's what's better. So I'd be listening to something else. Right. I still enjoy going to see music, but I'd rather see um, like non-dance kind of stuff, like mentally stimulating stuff where I can enjoy the show. And it's not about the party because the party is always a disappointment for me, leaving me burned out and wanting to leave some after hours after the after party. It was like, I can't get out. I haven't had a cell phone actually in a year and I refuse to have one at this point. I, I don't want to have a cell phone anymore. I'm talking to you on my girlfriend's cell phone now. Yeah. And, and, and my little, little Prince kind of attitude has just kept people around me that can like make my phone calls for me and access the internet for me. I don't have to do it anymore. Right. I don't want to do it. So I go out to parties and I'm like sitting there, you know, I don't have any phone to fidget with. So like looking around and people look up at me and I'm just staring at them. They're on their phone, you know. <laughs> Well, it's funny because it's like, in some to some degree, I, I've always said like everybody wants to have the club experience, but not be in the club. Like they're driving around with crazy systems, and it's cool that you've got like a crazy system in your car, but or or at a restaurant where you're, you know, it's like that. To me, that's not the time mm-hmm. and the place for that thing. Like I'm happy that maybe you're playing like this DJs kind of at music. Urban Outfitters, something like that. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> it's just like it's. It's just like, it's such an, it can be such a, like you said, like a transcendental experience that for, you know, bringing all these other factors into things and trying to make it available to everybody else across the world via like a live uh, Instagram feed or Facebook or whatever, it's just not the same thing. And it never will be. Everybody who's there, no. if, it, if it was a transcendental experience, it's not like you're going to be able to relay that information over a phone. And even if you've got a nice system, and it was at like home, a, what maximum month, once a month that we used to go to these things. You know, you get like sure. you hear about it through the grapevine. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like in the beginning, it was like once every three months for me. And that is like a religious gathering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. special. It's so dilute now. Yeah. It's like less of a, it's way, something that's that much diluted has way less. Um, effective potential i think yeah so within the microcosm of this whole scene of shit which is like beyond the scene now i mean these kids these days like it's it's spread into everything and become mainstream Mm -hmm. that so now it's within that like how do you find within that scene i guess that's always been the way you know it's like back in the day like the techno kids stayed in their room and drum bass kids in their room it's like have your thing right it's even more important now to me to kind of stay true to what i know and never cave in and don't be influenced by what's out there because it's like even more special to have that real thing somewhere in there. And in yeah. performances, even more like, you know, I make different kinds of music and stuff and just different kinds of video right now. But like in the performance, that's where I find it's really lacking. I mean, it didn't pay so much attention before. Back in the day, I didn't even know who the DJ was playing. Sometimes I didn't even know where the turntables were set up. The, the shit was so psychedelicized and confused, you know? Yeah. It didn't matter. Like that you're staring away from the DJ at the sidewall, you know? Yeah, yeah. But nowadays it's like, you know, everyone's looking at the kind of DJ and then they don't do anything. That's like, most DJs don't even fucking dance to their own music, you know, right. which is bizarre. Most DJs I know these days don't even dance to other people's or any music, you know, it's like they're either too self-conscious or like, why the fuck are you DJing and making any music and you don't understand the dance? So of course your music goes, and it's like boring. It doesn't have a kind of weird jilted funk that 
in my experience, that's what gets people dancing, whether they like it or not. They might think they like the other DJ, but then when a real person gets on and knows what the fuck they're doing, you see them, the whole crowd light up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They know what they, they know the real deal. Like, or if they don't know that they know it, they soon discover they feel it. Yeah, they feel it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's like many kinds of music, you know, there's many kinds of dance music. And it's like it's still within those different kinds of genres and sounds. Some people just have it and other people are just painting by numbers. Yeah. So what are you looking for in like a live performance or any kind of performance? Like what would it, as an audience member or somebody that would be there? fly on the wall like what is it that's um the number one thing and it's and it might be the hardest to maintain is to keep an energy that just keeps grinding and forcing your body like to uncontrollably respond mm. to, to maintain that kind of energy is, is pretty not easy and 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 the people that do it well are the people that kind of just ramp it up and then just fail on that current you know yeah yeah and they have that i think they're like born with that or they have some kind of awakening or something I know for a lot of people, they have like one moment where it all just clicked in and that like stuck with him forever. Mm-hmm. Other people seem to be just born with him. It. It's just like funky God made him funky. Right. But like, yeah. I, and, and, and to actually to interact with the crowd, like, you know, most performances these days are going to be like DJ performances. Right. That you're going to encounter in the, in, in the party scene in the dance music world. You can see some live performances. But mostly you can see DJs. So you got these DJs that are everywhere. Are they actually performing? Like, I would say not really most of it. Yeah. It, you know, and some people just, I mean, I love the music. That's the only reason I do it. It's like, I don't care. I would do something else, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I did it because that's what other people are doing. It's not like, I love that kind of transcendental thing. Mm-hmm. And I could do it every night if I'm doing it for a crowd that responds, you know, it becomes less for myself. Yeah. If I'm not performing, I don't need it really. You know, I've had enough of it that I can have those moments kind of on my own outside of the Vecca scene. But for the other kids, I'll always be there if they want it, you know? Yeah. And I will always, like, it doesn't matter where it is. And if they piss me off or something's gone completely wrong and it's like, I'm I'm like, fuck these guys. I'm just going <laughs> to do this and get the hell out of here. You know, That's rare. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes they have a little grumpy or rub the wrong way and I will not perform to the best of my abilities. But almost every single time, no matter what the situation, I just get into it you know it's like yeah. get into it in a way that's like really deep into it every night you know yeah which which i can see why so many people burn out because they need the drugs like alcohol to like start to feel that way yeah yeah for sure and i've never needed it it was always that like off for me you know so lovely it's a natural feeling that just comes over me when the music starts playing and people start responding yeah. then it's like we are communicating you know? and i'm yeah, constantly yeah. paying attention I mean, implicitly, the, there is no show without an audience. So to some degree, we have to, you know, you have to either get people involved or I hope, I guess. I don't know, because I mean, I don't, you've, I'm sure you've played to some, some cold audiences before. Maybe not. Maybe you're always, maybe it's always hot when you get no, on. definitely. But, of course. Uh, but, you know. But, you know, it's like, I will, unless something has gone off where the, if the people brought me there, Mm-hmm. I'm not really going to blame them for their audience, although there is a responsibility. But I'll, I'll, I'll keep working, even though it seems to be going nowhere. I'll, just, you know, I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. And usually, usually they'll come around, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's a certain kind of energy, and it's like in the dance music, like there's a certain kind of energy, the music that you cannot like go tap it on them, you know. Yeah. Especially in that situation. I guess if the crowd is already going wild and, you know, you could play almost anything as long as it's not horrible and they'll be, the party will keep going. But it's interesting when you have a crowd that's not really responding. And I had this recently, actually, one of the last times I DJed 
the crowd was kind of was a little later in the night and they're so I'm starting to lose them when I started to play because they're already kind of wasting it. My friend beside me is also out of his mind. He's like, you got to go harder, man. I don't feel it yet. I don't feel it yet. And I was like, shit. Right. So I kept playing track on a track and I built it up and built it up. And finally, I was like, okay, you feel anything? I'm not feeling it. There's crowds also. You know? <laughs> right. It's like a universal thing. You just keep working at it. And you have to, it's not like harder, but I don't know, it's like harder rhythms, so that more funky, more and eventually you can bring them back up and bring them around. Yeah. And I always try to do that. Always try to do like that. And then the, like the best of times you get up there, you build them up like that and they realize, well, this guy's fucking into, you know, it's not even looking at the crowd. There's no fist in the air. It's just like pounding away, dancing and fucking mixing like a motherfucker. Yeah. People respond to that. Then you get elevated and then it's like, you're just like the upper loop, man. You're just like floating on the ground at high speed. That's kind of like what you're living for, right? Like. I was just going to say that's what I live for. If you like what you heard on the show today and would like to support it, I would encourage you to go to my Patreon page and become a patron. Patrons will get access to exclusive content and can help decide which guests come on the show and what I ask them, as well as other rewards along the way. Support will enable the show to become bigger and better in many ways. There'll be a link to the page on both the Mind to Make website at www.mindtomake.com, as well as in the show notes in the description for the podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and please tune in next time.